Welcome to Attention to Detail, the classical music listening guide, where we give you the tools to understand, appreciate, and enjoy listening to classical music. Hey everyone, we're back with a, uh, a new podcast. We're, we're here today, it's October 24th, yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Thursday, we just had our first concert this week um, with Marcus Stenz. Bruckner's Fourth Symphony. Well, you, you really enjoyed it, right? It was so we just the first movement, so it right. sort of left you on a cliffhanger. But I don't know the full piece, so I was really satisfied for listening to just that first movement. I'm going. I'm working this weekend, so I'm looking forward to yeah. hearing the thing in full tomorrow and and Saturday. It's so it's epic. It just really. It's very epic. Yeah. I think he has. An incredibly interesting take on the piece. Mm. Bruckner is one of those composers who, it's actually a great composer to, to intro the topic that we're talking today about of form mm. because, and we'll we'll talk all about this in our episode today. But but Bruckner unfolds. I don't know if you felt this way, but it unfolds at a very slow pace mm. where you kind of go on this super long narrative arch. It started very, very quietly. Like, Maestro Stenz took a very adamant point to take a pause before we started. Yeah. Because it starts very quietly. And then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but it builds and builds and builds. And then the orchestra is going at full blast. Yeah. And, And even just, I think you'll find when we play the full symphony tomorrow and the next day, it's really a... A lot less happens in a Bruckner symphony than a lot of other symphonies. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of minimalist in that yeah. way. But it is very interesting to listen to, I think, because you kind of have to get in this slightly meditative Zen-like right. state to kind of suspend your sense of time. And what what makes it so interesting, and this is an excellent segue to our topic for today, is the form mm. of of the I, I wouldn't say that there are so many hummable melodies in Bruckner. There's not actually a lot of rhythm in a way. Yeah. If you remember, it kind of feels a little bit suspended the whole time. I was looking when Maestro was conducting, I was looking for him trying to do the beat and then I leaned over and I said it's very interesting to see him conduct because his technique is to use his whole hand and these really cool wrist motions. Yeah. But, yeah, I could I couldn't find the beat because I know that we had just talked about about rhythm. About rhythm yeah. and, and it's not a rhythmically motivated no. composer or piece, but what it is motivated by is is musical form. Mm. And so that's an excellent segue for what we're going to talk about today, which is which is form. And I actually think I imagine this will take two episodes to to cover because it's such an important topic. In my opinion, all of the things that we're talking about are important, but I think the single most important kind of parameter, if we want to call that, of music that affects our interpretation, which is what this podcast is really about, and our listening experience is form, Hmm. even more so than melody, harmony, rhythm, tempo, loudness, all of these things are important, but I think the form is what gives music the the majority of its interpretive content. And mm-hmm. so 
I'm excited to talk about it today because it's it's such an important thing. So I want to start. I want to start by asking you when you hear the word form. Yeah. And you think about music. Music. Or art in general, or anything. What what would you? What is form? What is form in music? I guess in terms of music, if I were asked that question as I am now, I would probably say like the development of the piece. So yeah. what? what goes on throughout the entirety of the piece uh-huh. um, and how the, the seeds that were planted by the composer in the beginning, how they develop throughout throughout the work, throughout its entirety. I also think of form as like a solid entity. When, uh-huh. I, when you take it away from music, if you just think of the word form, I think of like someone's body. Yeah. And so applying that to form in music, it's almost body of the work and how that grows and changes. Excellent. Well, that's a fantastic... I, I think that's a pretty... Non-musical expert definition? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would say that that is um, a fantastic definition of form. I'm curious. This this is a little tangent, but we haven't mentioned this yet, yet on this podcast. Have you watched um, Mozart in the Jungle? I've watched it in college... So before I was ever really exposed to the orchestra world, uh-huh. um, because I'm a, a Zola Kirk fan, I think that's what her name is. Uh-huh. She's sisters with Jemima Kirk from Girls. None of that means anything. Acting either. tangent. <laughs> so I watched it because of her. I think she's a very unique actress. But I remember she played like the oboe. Interesting. The first, the first episode, she like cracks the oboe. And now that I've talked to our oboists here at the orchestra, they're like, an oboe could never make that sound yeah. that she makes in that show. Okay, so here's the thing. This is the reason why I ask you about Mozart in the Jungle specifically. I was talking about this with some people um, recently, and uh, you reminded me of this because your definition of form, I think, was fantastic. And you said it's it's a non-musical thing. And... I think one challenge that we have as musicians, um, speaking to non-musicians, that's kind of part of the idea of this podcast in the first yeah. place, is that um, it's what we do for our livelihoods, and so we can get really caught up in terminology that everyone understands, um, tropes that exist in the real musical world that that people don't necessarily realize and uh, find, you know, a little bit confusing or something. And I think of Mozart in the Jungle because I have to tell you, I watched one episode of that show and I could not stand it. It was so... <laughs> it was so wrong? It was so wrong. Oh. It was so like, like, that would never happen, that would never happen. That's fake. Musically? Everything. Like, like the conductor figure in that is... It starts is, uh, with Joshua Bell, doesn't it? I think the first episode yeah, is Joshua like, it Bell. starts with Joshua Bell. Who, I kind of remember that. I think he's... If I remember correctly, he's, like, faking. Like, it's not even Joshua Bell who's playing. Or maybe he's playing, but all the musicians are faking. They're all faking? I'm pretty sure. I, I, if I remember correctly, there was, like... It was stuff like that that was just tough to watch. I wish we could do, like, a documentary, like, office show here at the ISO. So Wouldn't that be could, really fun? So people could get, like, a real behind-the-scenes look. Wouldn't that be so cool? There's this... Just sorry, continuing the tangent. Bon yeah. Appetit is, like, this culinary... Yeah. They work... Like, they do stuff with Condé Nast. Right. And they have these amazing videos that are all, like, in their, their test kitchen. 
And so you really get to know all of their their recipe testers and their chefs at Bon Appetit. And it gives you such an inside look. And then it's such a great marketing strategy. It gets you to want to buy Bon Appetit's yeah. monthly edition because yeah. you, you connect with all these people. I would love to do that yeah. for work. Well, I mean, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I'll, we'll, we'll end this tangent now. But... <laughs> but all, all, the upshot of the whole Mozart in the Jungle tangent is that I actually think it's a great thing for classical music. If it gets people interested, that's exactly. that's all we need. Yeah. And um, if people can understand your definition of form better, they can understand my definition of form. All the better, because sure. Um, sure. Because that's really all that we're going for is is some uh, understanding here. So now let's let's actually get okay. to it and and talk Ready about form a little bit. So I actually don't think we really have to necessarily come up with a hard and fast definition of, of what musical form is. I think it's a great thing for people to think about for themselves and try to figure out. Mm. But what you kind of pointed to, which I want, which is one thing that I think is always true about musical form and something that should inform how people think about this concept, is that it's just an inescapable fact about music. Mm-hmm. As we've mentioned many times, music unfolds over time. Everything that you've heard influences what you're going to hear. Mm-hmm. Everything that you're going to hear influences what you've heard. It's We were just talking before we, we went on the air here about how it's even the same in programming in general. Yeah. When you hear... If you hear a Mozart piece like we have this week before the Bruckner, you're going to have a slightly different experience of the Bruckner than were you to hear a Stravinsky piece before the Bruckner. Yeah. Or, and you may not even notice those things consciously, but certainly subconsciously there's something about your experience of the Bruckner yeah. that's going to be different. And when you recollect the Mozart it's also going to be shaded through your lens of having heard Bruckner. Yeah. You mentioned it's like Oh, tasting menu. yeah, like yeah. tasting. So and like palate cleansers too. Yeah, you know what I mean. So if you eat, or even like drinking wine. So if you have, if you're wine tasting, you'll need to have some water before you move on to something else. So and it all, it's all influential and it builds off of each other. Yeah. So not necessarily like you need a a palate cleanser in between the pieces that you hear, but they. They should, if the programming is done well, then they build off of each other to one whole right. well-formed experience. And that's, I think of, you know, if you eat a, you're supposed to eat the pickled ginger or whatever between bites of sushi. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you, if you do that, then yeah, every bite of sushi is very different than if you eat six different bites of sushi in a row. You still have the taste from the last one in your yeah. mouth a little bit. You kind of, and so that's the idea when we talk about form, though, it's within a specific piece of music. So it mm-hmm. happens in real time. And so I want to demonstrate this to you quickly, just musically, before we even talk about it anymore. I'm going to play you two clips of basically the same piece, very famous piece, but I want you to react to how they these two clips sound, okay? Here's the first one.
All right, so a lot happened in that clip. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot. That's Beethoven's Third Symphony. Um, I want you just to, for a sec, though, think about kind of the general ambiance feeling that you got from that clip. Um, okay. Kind of, you don't even need to tell me what it was, oh, but okay. just kind of have a sense of... You just heard that, and, mm-hmm. and that gave you a certain feeling. Now, I left out the first three seconds of this piece. Hmm. You didn't hear it that time. So I started in the fourth second of the piece or so. Now I'm going to play it from the beginning. Okay. This piece has a very startling beginning, and I want you to tell me how everything that we heard, well, maybe not. I want you to just tell me how your hearing is changed, if at all, Yeah. when I started from the beginning. So here, here's this clip again. Yeah. So I saw, like, the diligent uh, podcaster you are here. You took some notes. Sorry, I'm such a nerd. It's excellent. I love it. So, first of all, I'm curious, did you, you notice the difference? Yeah, I mean, the the three seconds that you cut out, important three seconds. I think they they don't change it entirely, but they do um, set, it, they set a different tone, of course. It's very bold and statement making and it's like listen to this yeah. and then it goes on to this grand proud beautiful yeah um movement fantastic yeah. so i mean that's that's excellent and i think you've picked up on exactly what we're looking for okay. when you start in the fourth second of this piece it has a very lyrical mm. opening theme it's very quiet it's nice and flowing when I started in this fourth second, it, it gives me the impression, at least, of, okay, this is going to be a nice, flowing opening theme. This is a lyrical piece. Then when we hear how it actually starts, boom, boom, mm. and then boom, suddenly it's not, it's not a lyrical piece. Mm. That, what is that theme doing there? We just started with the most bold, like you said, declamation yeah. of... These like opening chords, it's so loud, it's so aggressive. And so it shades for me the entire movement. Why did we Yeah. Why did we hear those two chords? Suddenly this movement is it's not a lyrical flowing first movement. It's a revolutionary, active, bold, heroic. Mm. This happens to be the heroic symphony. Yeah. Um, and we don't we only feel that way because of the first first two chords. Yeah. Right? And right. so that is really the essence of form. It's, it's what does the inclusion or lack of inclusion of this do to everything else? 
so we can also imagine if the first two chords we hear very loudly and then it goes on in this super bold, as you said, fashion, mm. we maybe wouldn't have the sense of, oh, there's conflict in this movement. There's there's two distinct characters. There's um, We're going to have a drama that un- unfolds between lyricism and boldness. Mm. Uh, and so all of all of that, just from three seconds of the piece, it can shape so much of what we hear. Yeah. So I want to give you another example from the same piece, from the last movement, and same thing. I want to, I want to expand this just a little further because as we listen to form, we start listening on larger and larger scale. But same idea. Okay. How is listen to the sound world that's created, and then I'm going to leave out some things, and then I'm going to add them and see how it changes our our hearing. So do you have any initial impressions of that one? Yeah, it's, um, in the very beginning, it sounds like a clock is ticking. Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like one of those bird clocks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it's, and it sounds very, like, sneaky, and then eventually it takes off, and the there's the bump, bump, bump. Yeah. That comes and goes throughout yeah. all of that. Yeah, good. And one thing I'll say about this, which is, we'll preview our next episode, is that what you're hearing here is what's called a theme in variations. Mm. You heard boom, 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 boom. We hear that over and over and over. That's the theme, and mm. it gets varied and changed slightly. Okay. That is a specific type of musical form. Hmm. We're talking about form in the abstract today. Next time we're going to talk about actual... There are some archetypes of form that a lot of composers rely on. One of them is a theme and variation. So that's just a teaser for next episode. But we're going to hear this now again and back to what we're thinking about today. And now we're going to play you from the start of the movement and listen to how this theme of variations is set up and how it maybe feels a little different from, from what we just heard. Cool. Thank you. 
So what do we think? Crazy. Um, very busy in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then it goes into the, there's this horn tone that you hear throughout then, and it starts with the, uh-huh. and then it just, it carries itself throughout all of the, the, the clock bird ticking. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you feel, for me, the busyness of the opening, it's yeah. so frantic, it's so... I then, after hearing that, I can't hear the, the theme and variations without this sense of a little bit of anxiety. Really? And it's instead of, you know, boom, boom, waltzing along. It is less nice meditative. If yeah. It's boom, exciting. Boom, boom. You know, it's very active. It's very, because we just heard all that bustling activity. Yeah. Why would we, and so that's one of the questions we want to ask when we're thinking about form. I mean, why would you start a piece like that? Crazy, yeah. bustling, you know, it's chaos, and then suddenly, theme and variations. And then I guess my question is, like, as the interpreter, are you taking that beginning through with you and having that influence the, the rest of what follows it? Well, see, that's the thing is what's, what's so fascinating about music. Yeah. There's so many layers to this. Yeah. We're only talking right now. But Everything that we've talked about on this podcast yeah. to this point is about the listener themselves. Yeah. So regardless of what the interpreter does, mm. these forces are at play. And then there's this added element. Once you've heard this piece 50 times, yeah. different interpreters could say, you know, the conductor could decide, this is such a frantic opening. I want to perform this entire theme and variations at a quicker than normal tempo mm. and with really spiky articulation to all of the uh, the notes that the orchestra is playing so that it has yeah. this energy. And it's, the, another interpreter could say, no, uh, what, what Beethoven is doing here is, this is in, intensely frantic at the beginning and then we're transported to another world. Yeah. I want this to be the most placid theme and variations ever created so we have ultimate contrast. And then, so, as a listener, you you know, first you want to think, wow, this form is, how is this form impacting me? What, oh, maybe the theme and variations is more anxious because of the way it's set up. Then, you know, you listen to it 25 times. Yeah. You start developing your own ideas about how anxious should this theme and variations be? Could the... And that's what really a compelling performance is, is there are no right answers to that necessarily, but I can be swayed by a good performance of, if a person really sets this up super frantically and then the theme and variations is so peaceful that it just takes me to another world, I could be convinced by that. That's probably not how I would perform the piece. Mm. But there's just so many layers to this, right? That is, it's... so It's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... it's a. Uh, this is why I love the idea of form because mm. I think it's the most rich for interpretation. Yeah, it I really think it is. really affects what we hear. So let's take a quick break and we'll we'll come right back. 
For this episode, we want to thank our sponsor, Encoda. That's spelt N-K-O-D-A. Yeah, Encoda is a great service that provides online scores. It's a subscription service that you can sign up for, and it has this huge library of scores that I use all the time. They have a lot of critical editions. They have different editions of pieces, and it's a fantastic resource if you need to be able to look at a score of music or parts in a user-friendly electronic way on your iPod, on your phone. It's an app that you can you can download on, on all of the platforms. So it's something I would highly recommend to certainly musicians, but also non-musicians who are curious at, at glancing at some scores and maybe trying to, if you can read a little music, mm. listen along to some recordings with a score. So that's Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. Now we'll get back to our episode. So let's take a sec to think about, because, of course, we're talking about how things affect other things that you're hearing, but I'm asking you to describe the sound world, the, the music that you're hearing when I've cut these sections in or out of a piece. Yeah. So what is actually contributing to you, when you're listening, Describing, say, the the opening of the Eroica as bold, yeah. and, or the the fourth second of Eroica as lyrical, and what what goes into that? Uh, well, definitely the techniques that we covered in the first four episodes yeah. of of this podcast, and um, really being mindful of the influences of, of what those those sounds sound like yeah. to me. And so and even all the way down to our most recent episodes of rhythm and, and harmony and, and melody. That's yeah. all influential as to like what what I'm envisioning when I hear yeah. something. I think that's exactly right. And that's you know, we the whole idea was and we should we we should plug this always yeah. that, that if if people haven't listened to the first few episodes, those are good things to listen to that's that's the foundation that the rest of this stuff is supposed to build off of yeah but what we've been saying as we're going over in this series kind of the the actual technical parameters of music things like melody harmony rhythm tempo loudness Mm. all these kind of things they really inform those adjectives that we use to describe something how we how we feel when we hear a piece of music, all that kind of stuff. And so really when we're listening in this way to form, how does this impact this? How does this not? We're still relying on these basic parameters, mm-hmm. melody, harmony. Because of course you heard a melody in the Aurora. That's a melody. It had a it had a harmony attached to it. It has a rhythm that's somewhat flowing. That all contributes to this sense of kind of peacefulness light motion the boldness of the opening is because it's very loud obviously and it's also short and it's declamatory and it doesn't have a melody um and so all of that comes into play so when we think about form it's almost like form is kind of one step up from the parameters that we've been talking about so far the parameters that we've been talking about so far happen kind of in a short period of time often. Yeah. Form is a collection of those ideas. It's sort of, in my interpretation, it's sort of when it all comes together and how they influence and build off of each other. Yes. Yeah. So individual sections of music 
and we can argue about if there are really music is ongoing, but mm. but you know we we often like the chapters of a book. We hear it in sections, yeah. and individual sections of music gain their character, gain their motion, gain their affect from what we've talked about: melody, harmony, rhythm, that kind of thing. And then, as a listener, we start thinking about those characters and how those interact, how the motions of the different sections interact. And that's all what plays into this idea of, of form. Hmm. Okay, So it's a little bit abstract still, I think. But I want to do one more example for you where, again, I've cut out a portion of music. Okay. And I want us to think about form in this way, right? We're talking about how what we hear influences other things that we hear. And so I want you to kind of put your brain back into that zone that we, because I think this will be the easiest way for people to start wrapping their mind around musical form. Mm -hmm. Put your brain back in that zone that we got in the first four episodes of this podcast. We'll be really attentive and we want to really try to kind of hear musical ideas or groups of musical ideas and associate some sort of word, color, yeah. whatever, with them. Okay. Okay? So I'm going to play you a little stretch of music, and you don't necessarily need to give me a single word or something, but really try to be listening in that way. And so for our listeners, too, if this at this point, if you can really take the time to, like we did at the beginning, clear the head, pause the podcast if you need to for a sec, but focus in on this next clip and really try to listen very attentively and with that sense of I'm trying to describe what I'm hearing. Mm. You want to hear it one more time? Uh, sure. Let's hear it. I think all of our listeners would benefit from one more time just to get this totally in our heads. And then I'll ask you a couple, couple keywords or descriptors that you have cool. for this. So what do we think? Um, I saw like prancing uh -huh. and just joy yeah. and energy and the color yellow. Okay. And as if you were, have just like received the best news ever. Good. And you're like prancing down a hill. You're so happy. <laughs> oh, nice. I feel like I should give you some good news now so you can... <laughs> I don't know if I have any particularly good news to give you at this particular <laughs> time, unfortunately. I'll think of some and I'll give it okay, to you and then you'll right. feel this way. Excellent, excellent. So now, maybe you didn't even know this, but 
I cut out a very important part of the opening of this piece. Okay. So now you have that in your ear. I want you to listen to it again and first see if you can figure out what I cut out. Sure. And second, see if you can figure out if that gives you any different impression of how this opening sounds. Okay. What was different? Yeah, there's um, you cut out these these strings in the middle of of the, that section that you played. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And very so, light, very um, right. Yeah, and so we start. It's kind of like the eroica. It starts very declamatory. Yeah, but then there's this kind of sighing. It's a lot of back and forth too. It felt for me. It felt the first lesson was like one voice. Yes. Going through a journey, and the second one was like two two different voices having a conversation, and then throughout that section that you played, they're having a conversation, and then together there's they move on to something phenomenal. Unique. Yeah, excellent. So I think that's you hit it right on the head. Oh, good. That's that's what I wanted to hear. Is that as your guinea pig, I'm always nervous that I'm that I'm completely wrong. But I do this. Yeah. I, I do this to people. I put them in tough spots where, <laughs> I, you know, there's a choice yeah. that I offer them that I feel is a, there's a very clear right answer, yeah. and they they yeah it's 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 one of the worst aspects of yeah. My well, if listeners are ever nervous about their interpretations being wrong, I think I would say don't don't be nervous about being wrong. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Point. Have you ever taken this Myers Briggs yeah. test? What are you? E N F P. Mm, I think we've talked about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. took. I was undecided in my freshman year of college. They made you take all of these right. Yeah, these yeah. Personality quizzes and E N F P told me that I should be an auctioneer. Interesting. <laughs> Very quick side note. For some reason, this is the episode of tangents. But I once took one of those career aptitude tests. Mm. And it told me my number one career that I should go into is explosives technician, yeah. which is like, which is, you know, the hurt locker, like someone who diffuses <laughs> bombs. Yeah. <laughs> because I said I had a high risk tolerance or something like that. But Conducting. Well, the reason why I got on Myers-Briggs is because um, I am an ENTJ and I was recently, uh. I was recently talking about this with, uh, with someone and ENTJ is just um, the worst person. And so I'm telling you, this is this is this is why I put people in these pressure situations. Yeah. It's an unavoidable negative aspect of my personality. Did you ever do the test where they'll tell you like what fictional characters also match up with your Myers Briggs? I think I think Myers Briggs has like yeah, there's sites where you can see. Yeah. Um, Michael Scott for me. Really? Mine is like mine is like Walter White from Breaking Bad. Yes. And all these all these yeah, of course. Anyways, complete tangent. As you were saying. I think you, you hit the nail on the head that this, this first movement, as a result of the first few seconds of music, mm-hmm. really becomes about a conversation, yeah. a dichotomy, yeah. a, a exploration of two totally different 
personalities. And I would encourage people to, this is Mozart Symphony Number no. 41. It's an excellent piece to go listen to and just listen to how those two characters have been set up from the beginning. You know, we hear the declamatory character, we hear this kind of sighing yeah. figure. The entire movement as a result of those first few bars becomes this exploration of those two characters. Yeah. If you cut out the first little, uh, you know, the first couple sighing figures like we did, the entire movement is going to be that kind of prancing, uh, like you said, joyful character. It completely changes it. It makes me think of there's this really nerdy like theater game where you will take a character out of of the play yeah. and how it will change it. it re it's reminding me of, of this. Yeah. And if you completely take any sort of idea out of a movement, it completely changes the whole piece. Exactly. And I think... A good way to think about it is, did you ever read those, did you ever read the Goosebumps books that yeah. were like, choose your own choose adventure? Choose your own adventure. Yeah, like, if you want to go through this door, uh, go to page 46. Yeah. yeah. Those, and it's, we ha we should actually think about composers as con constantly making those decisions. Do I want to go through this door or do I want to go through this door? And because of that one decision in the first four seconds, we can set the piece on an entirely new trajectory. It's kind of like a game of chess, you know? You make one move, mm. there are six responses that you can have. Mm. To those six responses, you can make six responses. To those, and the possibilities very quickly become staggering. And so that's what we have to think about in form is, why did they make all these, all these decisions? All right, so I have a little homework for our listeners. Hannah, you, if you're so inclined to do a little homework yourself, I know you have a lot of work for this job, but, you know, a little bit of time on the weekend. If I were still in school, I would resent it, but no. It's, it's kind of nice to have homework sometimes, I, right? I miss it. Yeah. I'm, yeah I Listen, like learning I can't things. Say, I can't say I miss homework, but... but I when don't it's, miss the tests. Yeah. I miss... The homework was fine. It depended what the homework was. Yeah. yeah. Good homework. Yeah. This is good homework, I promise. <laughs> so we'll include a link in the description of this this episode to the last movement of Eroica, which we've listened to. And I want our listeners at home, this will be an excellent practice also for our upcoming episode, because like I mentioned, there's a theme and variations in this that it will, it will be very helpful for our listeners to have listened to. Mm -hmm. But also, I want them to do something for me uh, as an exploration of how form is so interesting. So listen to this clip if you have a spare 20 minutes. Um, and I want you to listen to the whole movement twice. It's, it's like a 12-minute movement. But the first time, you're going to skip from 625 to 1122 in the video. Okay. And that... Well, I'll say it again, 625 to 1122. Uh, I'll give you the kind of form of this movement. Mm -hmm. As we've already heard, it starts with this super frantic beginning for like 15 seconds. Okay. Then we have a six-minute theme and variations, which we would kind of expect in the last movement. That's pretty standard. Then we have completely out of nowhere. This is, had never been done before. Like a five-minute slow section of music. Hmm. Where did that come from? We have, uh, like, a last movement is usually fast. It's yeah. usually exciting. We have this mournful, somewhat uh, sunny, but also a little hint of sadness 
slow section that comes out of nowhere, beautiful oboe melody. Why is that in the last movement? And then we have a kind of minute and a half of frantic closing like we heard in the opening. So I want you to listen to it and cut out the slow section. Then we have a much more standard last movement. What is it? What do you mean? That piece? Yeah. It's the last movement of Eroica, the one that we... Oh, okay. The, the one that we listened to a little earlier in the podcast. So we'll put the link up. We'll put the link up okay. in the in the uh, episode description and skip from 625 to 1122 and just hear, listen to the movement in that way. What kind of impact does the movement as a whole have on you? And then go back, if you have the time, and listen to the whole movement and listen specifically to this slow section. Why on earth would Beethoven... There's already a slow movement in this piece. Hmm. Why would he include this four-minute or five-minute section of slow music out of nowhere? It's like it's been transported from another planet and inserted right in the middle of this piece. And so I want you to put on your interpretive hat here. Yeah. This is why form is so fun. And think, how does this slow music impact what I'm hearing? And how does it change... Yeah, did Beethoven had a, had did he have a word count requirement on this last movement when we're talking about homework? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think he. Um, Beethoven was not one for word counts. This yeah. is this Eroica Symphony was the longest symphony I think you know. Yeah. A major symphony that had ever been composed um, by a huge stretch when it when it arrived. For one of the most revolutionary things about. The first movement, which we heard, opens with those two chords, mm-hmm. and he announces this is going to be a revolutionary piece. The first movement is 20 minutes long. No one had ever done anything remotely like that. Yeah, It's this huge, and the form of the first movement is staggeringly interesting. We can go into it a little bit more uh, on our next episode. Sure. Um, but that's the homework that, that I want our listeners to do, and it'll be excellent preparation for the next episode as well. Cool. So we've got our homework assignment, but beyond this, um, when I and our listeners are listening to other pieces and we don't have time time frames from you or you sitting with us uh, hitting pause, what do you recommend listeners to look for how how's the best best way for a listener to be catching yeah what we're supposed to be listening for in terms of form. Yeah, I think that's... So, let me propose a little exercise for you. Okay, more homework. No, well, this is just... This is not so much homework as something you can do, a technique that you can use when you listen to something. Do what we've done today as a starter kit for how to listen to form. Yeah. Listen to the first... 20 or so seconds of whatever piece you're listening to Mm -hmm. really intently and ask yourself as you continue to listen remember the first it can be as short as you want it can be the first two notes Mm. it can be the first 10 seconds it can be the first 30 seconds and listen to the rest of the piece in the in the with the lens through the frame of those first couple seconds Hmm. how is what I heard there impacting what I'm hearing now yeah and what you're doing by doing that is taking one little moment of music and asking how that impacts the rest of the piece Hmm. ideally where we want to get is we're doing that 
at every moment. Yeah. We're listening to how the first moment impacts the second moment, mm. impacts the third movement, impacts the 50th moment. Yeah. We're also listening to how the second moment impacted the first, impacts the third, impacts the fourth, impacts the 50th. Mm. We're also listening to how the 50th impacted the first, impacted the... And so in doing this, isolate one tiny bit of music and the beginning is as good as any that you focus on and you think, how does this impact the rest of the piece? You can do this with pop music as well. We've yeah. used the example of, I'll go to my go-to pop piece right here, Despacito, right? Starts with that guitar yeah. thing, whatever you want to call it. How would that song sound? Because you've heard that guitar thing. Yeah. How does the entire rest of the song sound? Think about that. Hmm. Listen or to the your in- favorite song too. Yeah. Yeah. It changes it. It changes it in some way. And so we want to ask, how does it change it? And we want to listen to the entire thing referring back to what we heard. So yeah. it's kind of a referential learning process. And one thing you can do, if it'll help, is to listen to an opening idea and use our hearing ideas technique. Give it a color, give it a, if you say it's red, how does the rest of com- the piece compare to red? Mm. And once you get to the end of the piece, is it the same red that you thought it was at the beginning? Yeah. Ask yourself that. Okay. And I think this is what's so interesting about form, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here because we're going to do another episode on more standard archetypes of form so that you can actually recognize some well-known musical forms. But there's so much richness and uh, kind of potential for interpretation in this idea of form. There is so much ability to critically think and analyze and mm. assess what is happening in this piece. And there is there there are correct answers when someone asks you, what is the form of this piece mm. on a theoretical level? It could be a sonata form. It could be a theme and variations, blah, blah, blah. How the form impacts you is entirely subjective mm. and entirely a, a, a function of interpretation. Whereas harmony is everyone hears the same harmony. Yeah. How you relate to form is entirely subject, subjective. And this is where you can really put your interpretive shoes on and try to come up with kind of your own critical listen to a piece so it's as you can tell it's a a topic I love talking about and it's very exciting and I hope our listeners can try that exercise listen to the first few seconds give it a color give it a descriptor give it a food whatever and then listen to the entire piece with that frame of reference and see how it changes cool can't wait awesome I uh maybe you know what we should try tomorrow in our uh performance of Bruckner yes we should yeah yeah starts with this little nice E flat major er, tremolo. Yeah. Imagine if the piece started super loudly. How would the entire narrative trajectory of the piece change? Com- it, I mean, very different. It would be totally different, yeah. right? So let's let's do that tomorrow. You and I will both do okay. that at the concert. All Listen right. to a little Bruckner with with form in mind. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Yep. We will see you next time. For more information about this podcast, you can find us at attentiontodetailpod.com where you'll find a list of techniques 
presented in these episodes and a two-week program for starting your own listening practice. You can also find us on all of your favorite social media channels. We encourage you to follow us, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and if you enjoy the show, please give us a rating. We hope to see you soon at a concert.